Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today, we've got another gun gripe episode for you, and we are going to be chatting a little bit about the <laughs> nuking of the filibuster, and this is, you know, obviously hasn't happened, but could happen, <laughs> and we certainly don't want it to happen, and uh, this has some pretty serious connotations for pending gun control legislation that is uh, sitting uh, before the Senate right now, H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446, which have passed the House, and they've been uh, basically submitted uh, to the Senate for consideration, so it doesn't have a lot of support in the Senate. Okay, right now, every indication that I've read in regards to those two bills is that uh, it certainly doesn't have a ton of support. And traditionally in the Senate, what tends to happen, and it, it usually is specifically the Senate that takes this type of an approach more times than not. Bipartisan legislation will generally get the blessings of the Senate if there is a, you know, sort of a, a unanimous consensus mm -hmm. amongst uh, both groups that, hey, you know, this is something we all want, right? Traditionally... The Senate tends to uh, look down their nose and frown upon partisan legislation that is obviously extremely one-sided. And that, of course, gun control traditionally, uh, and what has been and what will continue to be very much a one-sided uh, part of the equation in terms of the group of people that wants it passed versus the people that don't. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we're at. You know, we want to raise awareness and we want to make sure that you guys are contacting your reps and contacting all of the uh, gun groups that you can, uh, specifically FPC and GOA. Make sure you reach out to them. And I don't want to say pressure them, but put a, put a, put a word in their ear, put a little birdie in the ear to whisper in their ear. And let them know that this is very much a very destructive and incendiary part of the legislative process that we have to uh, certainly avoid uh, at all costs. If they nuke the filibuster, uh, then it just becomes a simple majority, which, of course, Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker. Uh, that will, that's given. If that's everything given, is yeah. across party lines. Party lines. Yeah. So if there's no, you know, Democrats that, you know, jump ship or if there's no Republicans that jump ship, that sort of thing. If there's a 50-50 tie in the Senate, Kamala is the tiebreaker. And that's right. ultimately what what Democrats want, okay, or leftists I guess you could say, want, is they want the filibuster out of here when it benefits them. But when it doesn't benefit them, you know, it doesn't matter at that point. But anyways, we just we, we talked about this uh, in a gun gripe not too long ago when we were discussing Joe Manchin being the one senator that could uh, be the um, force that stops gun control going through the Senate. Uh, but the, Joe Manchin is not the only one. There's also uh, Kristen Sinema. Okay, they declared support for the Senate's closure rule, which requires 60 votes in order to move legislation, you know, uh, forward for a vote. All right, and getting 60 votes requires bipartisanship at that point. And when you're talking about partisan issues, whether it be liberal issues or whether it be conservative issues, you still have to get that bipartisan support. And you're not going to get that on gun control unless you just get that simple majority. They're in a position now where they want that simple majority because there is a 50-50 split. That's ultimately what they want. They want to ram these bills through, no matter how much of the public you know, disagrees with that sentiment. But it, this is the thing that we're facing right now, and this is the biggest fear. Okay, People say, oh, well, it's not going to get through the Senate. Well, it will if enough representatives, or enough senators, I should say, uh, decide that they want to nuke 
the filibuster is what they call it. The in, invoking the nuclear option is what they refer to it as. Correct. It's so just insane. Part You're of it insane. too is when we look at Joe Manchin. You know, you guys may refer to or remember uh, the original gun gripe we've, mm-hmm. uh, video that we did about Joe Manchin being potentially uh, what stands in the way between the Second Amendment's uh, destruction and uh, and and sa- you know being a potential savior of the Second Amendment. Essentially, I know that sounds so crazy, but uh, Joe Manchin has a somewhat questionable history on on gun control. Mm-hmm. There are certain types of gun control he is for, but I believe that in regards to H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446, mm-hmm. Joe Manchin is a senator out of West Virginia, in case you don't know. And he is very well respected. When you think about West Virginia, you don't think Democrats. Like You know what I mean? Like West Virginia... You, you think about Hill people. Yes, you think about Hill people. So <laughs> Wait, is that North Carolina? In the... Well... It's all. Both, I suppose. But <laughs> when you look at the totality of uh, that political environment in West Virginia, West Virginians are not going to vote for somebody that's anti-gun, or at least that even has the you know capability. So I think Manchin does support certain aspects of H.R. 8 and 1446, but I believe, at least I want to believe, mm-hmm. that maybe somewhere in, in that uh, mind of his, he's thinking, you know, this just doesn't make sense. It's too crazy, right? So mm-hmm. there are Democrats and independents. I think there's three independents right now in the Senate. And some of those independents could most certainly vote either way. Uh, they have been known on several issues to, you know, mm, usually side with the Democrats, but not always, right? So, mm-hmm. And then to add even more to that, there probably are some Democrats that plan uh, if if the vote were to come up, to vote nay uh, towards the two bills in question. So mm-hmm. they simply don't have the vote, and they know it. Nuking the filibuster is a way for them to um, essentially, legally, although highly unscrupulously, get the votes they need, or at least get closer. So that is uh, the major issue. So, you know, we don't want to cause fear amongst people. We just want people mm-hmm. to be engaged and aware of the the niceties of the political process. That's very important, right? I don't view gun rights as being a political adjective type of thing, right? So for me, gun rights aren't political. The Second Amendment is clear. It's crystal clear the way it's written. It's the most clear constitutional language in the entire document. It doesn't require interpretation. It says what it means. Mm. I mean, so as far as I'm concerned, that's where the buck stops. Okay, here we go. Let's let's move on in liberty and live our lives. But unfortunately, it's not us you have to worry about, the pro-gunners. Mm-hmm. It's the anti-gun people out there that want to politicize uh, our rights in a way uh, that you know will essentially make it an extremely political talking point because they're going to find every little tiny way they can to turn it into a political argument, to turn it into dirty politics. Mm-hmm. So then you have to be on the defensive, uh, you know, to protect yourself from these people that want to take away your rights. And and guys, make no mistake, this is not a left or right issue, uh, as we've said in many videos. And look, we don't want to exist in an echo chamber, right? I want. Uh, you know, all people from around the country that care about liberty to watch these videos and receive our opinions and, and hopefully agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want you to agree, but I also understand that there's people that might have a different point of view than I do. And that that's okay, right? We want to change your mind, but it doesn't mean we hate you if we can't change your mind. But I think that history will show and has shown if you read history books and if you look at the history of gun control throughout the 
pretty much existence of guns. There's always been some form of gun control rammed down people's throats all around the world. With gun control comes death, destruction, political divide, uh, sociological and social uh, uh, industrial divide, right? You know, socialism and all these things that come along with it, these terrible ideas that have been proven mm-hmm. to not be successful ideas. So that's just my take on it. I, I you know, I don't want to be incendiary here, but but that's just, you know, we have to avoid um, that filibuster getting nuked. Well, the thing is, um, if the filibuster does uh, cease to exist, all right, then the civil majority can pass anything they want to. Now, it works both ways, okay? So say, it's 2021 right now, of course, but say uh, next year, all right, during the midterms, and 2023 rolls around and you have a Republican turnover or a conservative turnover of the Senate and possibly the House. All right, well, then it's not working in leftists and Democrats' favor at that point. So then it'll be, oh, filibuster's bad. We need to bring it... uh, Oh, nuking the filibuster was a bad idea. We need to bring it back so we have uh, more... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um... We, we we need we need to have a a general representation of the people's will in the Senate. Okay, well, what do you mean? So fifty one percent that's mob rule at that point, yeah. or fifty well fifty percent plus one is is democracy as a, at at its core. Okay, it's mob rule, um, and what we have right now, the Senate better reflects what the republic, okay, is all about. All right, we are a hodgepodge of people, and to think that. Gun owners are only conservatives, or only conservatives are gun owners is asinine. Right? There are plenty of moderates, there's plenty of independents, there's plenty of Democrats that own guns. I mean, look at the numbers. We talk about this all the time. Look at the numbers of new gun owners that have come into the fold. Uh, I mean, are, are these all conservatives that, that are buying guns for the first time? No, these are people in major municipalities, big cities, okay? These are typical Democrat strongholds, all right? People and, from a lot of different backgrounds. Yep, and lots of ladies, oh, yeah, lots, lots of, of ladies. new female shooters, um, lots of minorities as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there there are a lot of minorities in the cities. All right, this is where these people are coming and and buying firearms. So when when the Democrats want to push through all this gun control legislation and they want to get rid of the filibuster and just ram this stuff down uh, Americans' throats, are they really hurting? Uh, the people that they think that they're hurting, are, are they really attacking conservatives or are they attacking their own constituents at that point too? Uh, these are things that they need to think about, but uh, it takes you contacting your your representatives and your senators to get them to be thinking about these kind of things. Um, and and uh, one of the other, one of the other issues that I have with it is just the, the bare bones fact that because the Senate is evenly split and Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker, the the leftists just go out touting, like, oh, we've got control of the Senate. Well, do you really? I mean, do you really have control? I mean, do you have control over the people? Do you have power, power over the people like you really want? Yeah. And that also shows you how power-hungry they are. Like, what Absolutely. person would say that, right? Uh, think about it like this, right? If I've got an army, okay, and my let's just say for... Very, very simple. simple. You do, well, you do have let's, an army. Let's say for simple terms, right, that I, my army has 50 men and your army has 51 men. Does that mean just because you have 51 people in your army, you're going to beat my army? No, not at 
all. There are many situations in history where very small, numerically unsuperior forces have certainly come ahead on a numerically superior force that is well more well-trained, more well-equipped, considerably larger. I mean, 300, 300 Spartans at Thermopylae the fall held of off the Persian army for yep. what? Uh, for a long time. Well, the fall of Troy. I mean, yeah. Anyway, come on. I digress. All right, I want to I want to refer to something here on Mike Lee's uh, a U.S. senator for uh, out of Utah, Mike Lee. I want to refer to something here on his website that jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this you know big thing talking about it, but I just want to read this off of here because mm-hmm. I think it's important. And hopefully I can read and pronounce the words correctly. I'll no, help sorry. you. Don't yeah, don't th- you worry. Thank you, Chad. I will assist. I, I got to have the brains here. Get I, your reading glasses I'm on. The, now. I'm the beauty, and Chad's the brains here. All right. So woke leftists woke. tend to see the Senate's sixty vote closure threshold not as a prudent protection of minority rights, but as an anti democratic obstacle to progress. Indeed, last year, former President Barack Obama, a prolific filibusterer himself. Mm-hmm. During the Senate career, his Senate career, falsely derided the filibuster rule as a Jim Crow relic, with the 60-vote closure rule now branded as racist, however unjustly, progressive activists have grown more emboldened and enthusiastic to nuke it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Checkmate. Mm-hmm. Checkmate. The the left sees, or the left seems to see nuking the cloture rule as a pure win for its side with no trade-offs or downsides. Uh, it is a simple step they believe that will lead the United States at long last to the broad sunlit uplands of Scandinavian social democracy and campus style wokeism. All right. You told me Oh well God progressive you told me. I'm glad that we have arrived on this threshold. Okay. (laughs) Scandinavian social democracy and campus like wokeism. Scandinavian social democracy. All right. Okay. Oh boy, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna step right out on this ledge right now. Okay. I need a stiff drink. What color are the people in the Scandinavian countries? So what the left essentially wants, right, they don't realize that they want a society without minorities. That's what that, that's telling, right? That's what they really want. They claim to be, oh, woke and all this and all-inclusive and everything like that. <sighs> but but are they? But they just want to use minorities to get there. But are they? Sorry. I mean, one could argue. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. I mean, I... I Look, I, oh I try boy, to present. I have to read the information in front of me and and process it in the way that mm-hmm. I know how to process it. Right. Yep. So, all right. So, look, let's think about this for a minute too. All right, Democrats. Just trying to be fair, y'all. Democrats, leftists, progressives. However, you want to, uh, you know, portray them or uh, uh, you know, name them. Okay, whatever you want to call them. All right, the left as a whole. They want to nuke the filibuster. All right, so what happens when, like I said, what happens when uh, conservatives take back over the Senate and the filibuster is nuked, right? All right, so does that mean conservatives get to ram through uh, you know, anti-abortion laws? Uh, do they get to ram through pro-gun legislation? 
Oh, well, yeah, they do, right? Because they don't need that. If they have a, a, a conservative uh, you know, president or a so-called conservative president who's going to sign off on anything they want. Okay, so then what happens in two more years? Then you have like this legislative stalemate. And then what happens when there's Democrat control again? Are we just going to play this flip-flop game? I mean, we're going to uh, go from conservative values back to progressive values. And, and just what direction are we going to take here? I mean, I'm going to go on to paraphrase Lee a little bit more. This right, is come, a, uh, We're going to put this uh, particular statement this in is a, the this description is a good box below because I, I believe that people need to really holistically understand where mm-hmm. Lee is coming from here, okay, out of Utah. Yep. Contrary to most commentary... It actually is not hard to pass any and all, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. any and all legislation in the Senate. Rather, it's hard to pass one-sided or ideologically, I- ideologically, ideologically, ideologically aggressive legislation. Sorry, I need more coffee. <laughs> and so, unlike in the majoritarian House of Representatives. Mm-hmm where members of the Speaker's party can generally pass whatever they collectively want, <laughs> legislating in the Senate requires partisan, ideological, oh, socio, <laughs> socioeconomic, and often regional compromise. So, good job. Larry. exactly what I said earlier, right? Where are my cookies? Is lo- yeah, thank you. Do I get a cookie? I'm a redneck. I'm not supposed to be able to say words. <laughs> and, you know, oh, and, and yeah, I'm a redneck, so <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, this, this evil person, right? Well, anyway. Well, but, you know, look, guys, we're just dumb rednecks. We're trying to be fair here. We're trying to look at this objectively and through the lens of fairness. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, look, know. so any of these one sided bills that go through, even on the conservative side, you know, which some some I agree with, some I don't. OK, because that's that's sort of my political leaning. OK, more conservative, a little libertarian, that sort of thing. It's kind of weird. But. You're a cow eating on the middle of the fence, on well, the look, right side of the fence. Well, look, I saw a cow this morning. I had to pull over. I thought it got stuck in the barbed wire or was going to. It wound up getting through the greener side of the field. So I thought I was going to have to go out there and cut this barbed wire and repair it for this dude. I do think that the, the grass is greener on this side, though. I think so. But that's just All me. right. So does does or, or do these one-sided pieces of legislation really, truly represent America? As a whole, I mean, anti-gun legislation, the stuff that they're trying to push through, assault weapons bans. I mean, we have some of these guns that Diane Feinstein wants to see banned and has wanted to see banned for years and years and years. And with any luck, she will never see them banned while she is on this earth. Okay, but is it really representative of the American people as a whole? Is it really good for America as a whole? Um, you know, if if we had a different type of legislative structure, if we didn't have uh, a constitution that protected certain unalienable rights, then we would be just like New Zealand after the Christchurch shooting, okay? And with the stroke of a pen, okay, uh, guns are banned. Semi-autos are banned. blah dee blah Well, how's that working out for them? You can read about New Zealand's gun control and the effects thereof and how crime has spiked because obviously there's not as much... Um, there's not as much of a deterrent out there for criminal activity now because they know that the populace, the law-abiding populace, has been partially disarmed. 
America has a populace like the way we have. We have a culture of self-defense mentality. Well, just, and that's what separates us from many other parts of the world. Now, there's other parts of the world, like I think, what was it? The Czech Republic just had a newly drafted constitutional yeah. right added, mm-hmm. basically in mm-hmm. their their country's constitution. They have the right to protect themselves mm-hmm. and to bear arms, it's and like that's their awesome. version of the Second Amendment. Yeah, their version of the Second Amendment, which is amazing. I'm proud to hear it. Right. Um, so, but America is unique in that we are a culture that doesn't want to be trifled with, mm-hmm. and we don't take well to it, and we want to protect ourselves, and we want to take our safety and the safety of our communities into our own hands. And mm-hmm. we want to encourage that amongst all parts of our populace. Yep. An armed society is a polite society. And when you look <clears> at all of the stuff going on all over the world, uh, it's quite clear, mm-hmm. you know, that um, I would, I would certainly say that the majority of people here, okay. And we're not talking about the majority population in big cities. Okay. Because mm-hmm. most of those people obviously don't want to be taken care of. They want to have everything, you know, at their disposal right outside their door. I mean, that's why they mm-hmm. live in a city. They want to have all the conveniences until those conveniences are no longer uh, present because of things like COVID rioting, that sort of thing that we've seen in the past couple of years. American right. civilians own 46% of the world's firearms. in civilians. <laughs> okay. So just, I love it. Just keep that in mind. We got to get but, those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. But so, the majority of America, okay, rural and municipal America, okay, outside of the big cities, they want their independence. They want to be left alone. They don't want to be bothered. They just want to take care of themselves and just go through life without having some bureaucrat just trampling on them with laws that they think will better their lives, which they have no idea. They have no consideration. They don't care about you in, in the truest sense, okay? The general consensus is the people in power don't really care about you. And the, the sooner you understand that and put it into your mind and really start to think about that, it's like, hmm, these representatives really don't care about me, then everything will start to make sense. And then you can start living your life and go, ah, yeah, I'm a free person. Like, but no, you 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 have to have laws and rules that trample on your existence at every step of the way. I mean, that's all this anti-gun legislation is. All these things that people want to pass, all these one-sided things. And no even, matter what passes, it'll never be enough. Yeah, even on the conservative side. It's always going to be a look, stepping stone to the next worst thing that they have up look, their sleeve. Even on the conservative side, anti-abortion laws. I mean, it wants to trample on women's rights. Do I think that abortion is right? No, I don't. But do I want to see a federal law put in place that outright bans abortion totally? No, because it is trampling on individuals' rights overall. That's the libertarian in me coming out, okay? But when you start to look at things like that, everything really starts to make sense. But anyways. And, you know, and and it's even okay to not even have an ultra-developed opinion the, oh, pun, yeah. the pun there that I, I ultra sort of developed pun opinion. that I came up with, but it's okay to not really have a super well developed opinion on a given matter and still kind of not be sure where you really stand. That's okay. It, it's okay to continue to gather facts mm-hmm. and allow uh, your your overall worldview to be constantly sculpted yep. and affected by the facts and and logic that you see around you. I mean, I I try to just spot this mm-hmm. stuff, right? I think like Spock is this logical, and if it's not logical, I, I'm I, I just I tend to befriend logic more than my emotions. I tr- always trust my logic because I mean that's mm-hmm. we are logical people. We we don't we don't make decisions, especially policy decisions, based mm-hmm. on uh, the mere whims of emotion. Well, I mean that, that that has no place 
It has a place, but a very small place in the overall thought process of how we determine what should be a law, what shouldn't be a law, or how something should be implemented or handled. So, guys, Mm -hmm. just something to think about. We want you to be active in the political process, because if you don't, someone else will Mm -hmm. come in your place and speak for you. And there's a lot of voices out there that, you know, don't exactly see eye to eye with Mm -hmm. people like me, right? And I get that, okay? But that's why we want to have this voice to be able to get out there and let people know that being a part of the legislative process is important. It is part of our duty as Americans to be uh, politically engaged and to hold those that we elect accountable for their actions and to prevent these terrible things from becoming law uh, before they do. So So. just some food for thought here, and then I'll let you go. But uh, senators like Joe Manchin, all right? Why do you think they're they're on the middle of the aisle or they're leaning across the aisle on some of these issues like nuking the filibuster, like gun control? It's because their constituents are a wide variety of different backgrounds and ideologies and such, and they stay in constant contact with him. And he understands that he has to appease, you know, the majority of his constituents. And like Eric said, I mean it's West Virginia. Everybody has a gun in West Virginia, it seems, right? Okay. But these are the kind of issues that need to be discussed with your representatives. And like I said earlier, just remember in the back of your head that ultimately your reps really don't care about you, more or less, okay? But you have it, to assume. You have to assume, you know, that and but you still have to contact them. You still have to make your voice heard. But don't think that you're special. There's, you know, thousands of other people that are making their voices heard, but it's that voice of yours that adds to the pile that will direct that particular senator or representative in one direction or the other. If they don't hear from you and they just hear from one side, then it's like, oh, well, my constituents that I heard from, they want all this gun control. So I guess, oh, well, yes, I'll vote for that assault weapons ban. Sure. Why not? It's important that senators such as Manchin listen to that voice of reason. And and we're not saying just Manchin, senators like Manchin. There There are many of you I know if you're listening, maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but or maybe your their constituents are, are listening. Maybe. But it's important that people like Manchin hold true to their principles and listen to the voice of reason. And that's all we're asking is to make sure that you encourage, uh, especially those that might be fence sitters in either direction, uh, to make mm-hmm. sure that they are listening to the voice of reason and listening to your concerns as a citizen. So, yep. All right, guys, have a great day. We really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we didn't go up down too many rabbit holes. We always go down the rabbit We're hole. We're going to find Alice eventually. We're down there somewhere. But anyway. Well, find, uh, some, find a rabbit and make me some stew. Yeah, do something. But uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, I want to take a moment to thank all of the folks that support us on Patreon monthly. Uh, thank you so much for the financial support, the channel. Also, those of you who purchase man cans, we've got some great boxes over on the uh, on the website. We've got a great medical box that we're running right now. I know you're going to love it. Really useful medical gear. Go pick one up if you want to support the channel. Also, over on Ballistic Inc., we've got tons of great t-shirts and all kinds of goodies over there. Armor, sunglasses, all kind of great merch you can go over and pick up. And all of those funds go right back into helping to support our channel. So if you wish to directly financially support us, those are the most direct ways you can do so. Have a great day. Many more videos on the way. We'll see you soon. See you guys.